Welcome to Always Authors, the literary podcast that features two authors in candid conversation. On this episode, we're excited to bring you Ashley Winstead, whose 2021 breakout thriller, In My Dreams I Hold a Knife, was an Amazon editor's best thriller and a New York Times most anticipated thriller of the year. That was followed by her 2022 award-winning thriller, The Last Housewife, and her latest novel, The Boyfriend Candidate. Ashley's talking to Carly Fortune, whose debut novel, Every Summer After, was a New York Times and instant international bestseller. Her latest novel, Meet Me at the Lake, was released on May 2nd. Join these two joyful novelists as they discuss their books and recount their struggles and successes as writers and journalists. Inspiration starts now. Hi, Carly. Hi, Ashley. I'm good. How are you? I am so good. Thank you for chatting with me. Thank you for asking me to chat with you. I'm like, I've been looking forward to this since you asked me to to do this with you. Same. So like for listeners, um, I was asked to think about another author who I would like love dream to chat with. And of course, Carly came to mind like uh, immediately because you just seem so awesome. I'm such a huge fan of your books. And I had like a total girl girl crush on you from far away. So I was like, let's go out <laughs> on a limb. Ask Carly. Um, Carly very generously said yes. So here we are. This is like our first time talking, talking, and yes. hopefully Carly doesn't regret it. <laughs> I, I know I won't. I am such a fan of yours. I sent you a message. Um, I think it was last year. I had listened to you on a podcast and I sent you a note that was like, I think you're really smart and high. <laughs> That's basically all it said. So I'm glad we get to do this. I know, me too. Um, okay, yay. And you and I are like both coming out with our second um, romance novels we next are. month in May, um, which is very wild because it's now less than a month for both of us because uh, yes. Meet Me at the Lakes out on May 2nd. Yes. Um, Boyfriend candidates out on May 9th. So this is, um, how are you feeling? Oh, I, uh, I don't know. So yeah, we're three weeks out from Meet Me at the Lake now. So that means four weeks out for the boyfriend candidate yeah. for you. I feel like the, the two months ahead of publication are really difficult. Um, yeah. And this is your fourth book, am I right? <laughs> Yes. So like you are much more of a veteran than I am, but I feel like it's this weird phase where things are so close to happening, but it feels like nothing's happening. And it is both, I get very anxious yeah. and um, also excited, like very impatient. Like I want it to come out right now, I, yep. but I also never want it to come out. <laughs> and it's just this weird... Um, weird window of time i think um and it's i find it harder this time around than i did before every summer after was published last year i think because that was my first book and i didn't didn't really know what when you don't know what to expect it's so much easier right yeah Um, in some ways in some ways it's like um a lot harder because i I felt, per, first of all, you like described this period of time before a book comes out so perfectly. I feel the exact same way. Like that 
mix of anxiety of like, you know what, maybe if we could just put it off forever, that would be awesome. But also it feels so imminent that like, you know, why, like, why aren't more things happening? Like, where, why isn't the book everywhere? Um, you just like, I turn into like a little anxiety monster oh, about this time. Yes. Yeah, no, it's really, I'm sure I'm a terrible person to live with, yeah. um, but it's, yeah, I am really excited though. Like I, 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 like with every summer after, I was really worried. I'm like, well, my mom will read it. My best friend will read it. Yeah. But who knows what will happen. And, and now at least I'm like, okay, more than just my mom and my best friend will, meet, will read Meet Me at the Lake. So at least there's that. <laughs> At least I know that like some other people will probably yes. read it. I book one, which was feels like both yesterday and forever ago, um, which was actually only three years ago, not even three years ago. Yes, you are um, prolific. I don't know why. Everyone asks like how, where it comes from, like, and I have no answer other than like, I always wanted to be a writer. And then I took 10 years off and didn't write because I was like so worried about being rejected. Um, and then now that I've like get, been given this opportunity, I cannot stop writing books. I think, I don't know if it's just like, while I have the opportunity, I'm gonna force, you know, as yeah. many books out, I don't know. Um, so wait, why did you stop? When were you writing? Why did you stop? What were you doing? Like, what is your author origin <laughs> yeah. story? I must know. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's like full of lessons for aspiring authors and like everything you shouldn't do basically <laughs> in one package. So I, you know, I don't know if this is true for you as well, but always wanted to be a novelist, like from the minute at like age seven that I discovered that was a thing that you could do with your life. I was like, yes, sign me up. This is for me. Um, loved language. Actually did think I wanted to be a poet for a while. So I, I was it. like, yeah, that perfect like teenager full of pretension and you know. <laughs> <laughs> so deep. Yeah, so deep and tortured. Um, I was like, I'll be a poet for sure. Luckily, you know, <laughs> that, that changed in college to being a novelist. Um, but I applied to MFA programs because my only experience of the path to being a writer, like a full-time author, were the professors that I was mm. working with in college. And they all had their MFAs, you know, and like all these prestigious fellowships under their belts and awards, you know, they, they're like the kinds of writers who teach at university. And so I thought this is the path. So I applied right. to a bunch of MFA programs and I was rejected by every single one of them. Like 12 right. tiny thin letters, envelopes oh. coming in the mail my senior year of college. And it was identity disrupting, like yeah. more than just rejection. It was like this thing in person you thought that you were for 22 years that is rejected by the world. Like you have to figure out a new version of yourself. Yeah, because um, you so, felt like there was this clear path to yep. where you wanted to be. And then that was blown apart. And you're like, well, I'm done. Gotta, gotta figure it out. Let's go like see what else there is in this wide world to like do. So I worked in the music business. I worked 
um, for Warner Brothers, like in the TV industry. Like I did some cool things. And by I'm like, to be clear, I did nothing actually like cool at these places. I was like, you know, the low level grunt, but I was in these places. Um, and finally I was just like, you know what I miss? Being closer to books. <laughs> I was like, if they won't let me write books, um, maybe they'll let me study and talk about books. So that's why I applied to, you know, a PhD program, PhD yeah. programs and ended up going to one, getting my PhD in literature. It was like circling the yeah. thing I wanted to do most, but couldn't um, bring up the nerve to do, um, to try again. So yeah, that was 10 years of my life. Um, PhD and those other odd jobs um, in entertainment just kind of like looking longingly at book writing. And finally, it was, I had to, after I got my PhD and like wrote this dissertation, book length thing, very dry, academic, I was like, you've done this. You've written a book length thing. Mm. Like, can you imagine if you did it uh, and, and use this like grit and work ethic that you just developed and actually like focus on things you enjoyed, like romance and murder mysteries and things, you know, that like... To this day, I still like, you know, am, am worried and have like panic dreams about my dissertation advisor and all my academic, oh. um, you know, people who, who grilled me for my dissertation, picking up my books and reading them because they're so different from all, everything we studied. So, oh my goodness. yeah, um, let's talk about your story. I want to hear like how you got here. Cause that, that was me. It's like, um, taking rejection too seriously and then tricking myself into writing books. I mean, I love that you got there. Like it's so, it's so heartbreaking. Your story is both heartbreaking and so uplifting, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible what rejection does to, does to us oh across God. all areas of our life. Oh my goodness. I also, um, loved writing as a kid and I but I very like from a very young age um like before high school felt that being a writer was not a real job and I was very worried about money when I was a yeah. kid um oh, you were up, a practical kid yeah I love that I, I was but I also like I grew up in a small town and a working class town my family were they my family had a restaurant which is a really tough business and yes. uh i just didn't want to struggle as an adult and i like so i'm like a 10 year old kid thinking about this stuff and whenever you know you do those like quizzes that the guidance counselor would give you in high school and it would like spit out like 20 pages of like jobs ranked from like yeah. the number one job for you to the like 1000th job for you and number one was always writer and wow. I was like well no that's not an option um and I ended up studying I loved magazines um loved magazines yes. growing up and so we had this career fair at my high school and my friend I didn't know what to look at in terms of programs um and I was very academically inclined but I just really didn't know what I wanted to do and my friend said well why don't you look at journalism because you love magazines so much and I thought, oh yeah, I do love magazines. And That's so much I, friend. Yeah. And I ended up uh I ended up studying journalism. And uh I went to a program that had a like 
a specialty in, in magazines. So mm -hmm. for the first two years, you're studying journalism. And the next two years, you're, it was like a really intensive magazine program, which um, cool. kind of brought me back to writing, like long form yeah. uh, narrative uh, nonfiction. And anyway, I became a journalist and <laughs> I worked as an editor uh, for 16 years. And um, I started out at a city publication here, a city magazine called Toronto Life. Um, and then I went to, like, I did a bunch of stuff. We, I like was on the launch team for another city publication here. I worked at the Globe and Mail, which is our national newspaper. Yeah. Um, I worked then I kind of transitioned into quote unquote women's media. And my last job was at refinery 29. I launched, um, uh, refinery 29 Canada in 2018 and hired the team for, uh, like the editorial team and oversaw that and God, you're and so then, impressive. This is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you're I, such I, a I, boss thank, lady. Thank you. I was. I was. I was a, a bit of a boss lady. I was getting there. Like I really, I had a full career in in journalism, and but at the end of it, I was really unhappy. Um, mm. I was really. Media is a very challenging industry. Um, my job itself was very stressful, and I just didn't. I was really. Uh, struggling because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I'd yeah. worked really really hard to get to where I was and um, but I'd always wanted to write a book it was like always in the back of my head that I wanted to write a book and uh, in 2020 uh, I was staying uh, on a lake near where I grew up and I got off a really stressful work phone call and I was like, that's it. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book this year. I'm going to finish it by the end of the year. Um, I need to do something for myself. Like I need, I haven't done anything creative for myself as an adult and this is what I'm going to do. And yeah. that's how I wrote every summer after. That's amazing. So was it like, I need to not be so fully invested with my head and my heart in this job that's bringing me, like I need to carve out some of myself and put it into this book that's just mine. Yeah, I felt like I needed to t like take my creativity back. I had yeah. like every like all of my creative output and journalism on the surface it doesn't seem creative, but it is very creative especially in like yeah. you know digital brands and um magazines and I felt like I was trying and trying and trying and it wasn't giving I kind of got to a point where I'm like this isn't giving back to me anymore mm -hmm. and I want to do something for myself. And I was also, um, I have two children now, but I, I had one kid then. And I think also it was just like, I'm, I'm just doing things for other people all the time. Yeah. I wanna do something for myself. And so it started as just this project for me and um, it became so much more than that. Yeah. I love that so much. And I love that you were like, I've, I've done these extremely like, successful ambitious things and in my free time I'm now gonna start doing this other wildly yeah. ambitious thing <laughs> yeah I it didn't it just I don't it was really it was very strange like the way that it was like a, a switch that flipped where yeah. I was like I, I I have to do this thing I'm gonna do this thing I I calculated how many words um I'd need to write a day in order to finish the manuscript by the end of the year. So I started in like mid or late July of 2020. And it was like 
388 words. That's all I needed to write that's every awful. day. Oh, that's comforting. To get to 80,000 words. Yeah. And huh. so I thought about all the journalists who I'd worked with, the reporters and columnists who file way more than that every yeah. day with original reporting. And I'm like, I'm just going to make it up. And it was, I just kind of approached it with that um, in mind and really lightly. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I was like, it's not going to be great. It's just going to be this thing and I'm going to be proud of it. It'll be good enough. And I bet I will have done it. I will have done the thing that I've always wanted to do. And so I woke up before my family was awake and before I went to work and just did it early mornings. And then on, on morning the writer, too. Oh, you elusive unicorn. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's how I did that one. <laughs> That's incredible, man. I like, and I relate to that so much because I had to make the stakes really light for myself too. When I started writing the book, because I was so like hanging on to all that rejection. Yeah. Um, and I actually po put a post-it on my laptop that was just like, I wrote, no one will see this. And I fully convinced myself that I would never show anyone um, and that what I was doing was just using my Netflix time where I would normally be watching like an hour or two of TV and I just used it to write, um, you know, after my day job. Yeah. And so you're working like, your day job and then you yep. would go and work on the book in the evening. Yep. That's how I did the first three books. Wow. Um, yeah. Boyfriend Candidate, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it, is the first book that I wrote as a full-time writer. Which and did you find that was easier or not necessarily? It is so much harder. <laughs> and if you would have asked me a year ago, like I would never have been able to predict this. Yeah. I don't know how you feel, but like something about the controlled environment of knowing like from this time to this time, you were at your day job and the minute, and it gives me time to long for the writing. Yes. Gives me time to think about it. And so like the minute it turns 501, I'm like, you know, switching tabs because it's not like I'm going, was going into the office at that point. So it's just like, you know, switching into your new word document from the work, yeah. you know, the day job and like, Oh, just uh, flowing. But now that I have the entire day, stretched out in front of me for writing <laughs> and a blank word document <laughs> and a and blinking my... cursor <laughs> taunting me like, what's happening on instagram i should probably know <laughs> i should probably see what the what the books to people are saying <laughs> oh my gosh yes i totally feel that i like every summer after was to like it's how i kind of got myself through 2020 it was such yeah. a joy it was so fun to write and I felt like like one I just enjoyed doing it which felt like I was discovering something new about myself as an adult like in my yeah. late 30s I was like oh this is this is the thing that I love and I had no idea that this that would be the so thing much. that I love and and I just like I I was having so much fun I remember I got stuck at some point and I was like wait a second I'm just making this up. It's not a, it's not an article. It's not like real. Um, I can just take this somewhere else now. And that was like, you know, for a journalist, that was really liberating. Yeah. And I really 
um, got through that year because of because of that book that 2020 was so hard for so mm -hmm. many reasons and in different ways for all of us but that's how I carried myself through it but yes like my day job I was like I really don't want to be doing this like all I want to be doing is writing and uh, now that I I'm like so fortunate that I write full-time but writing meet me at the lake was so much more difficult and I and uh, I had way more time to work on it yes. and I do I want to talk about that too because that's you write about that in your acknowledgments um, can I just gush that I love Meet Me by the, Meet Me at the Lake? It's I mean I love yes, both please of your books gush so away. Much. Yeah, you're like Leah. Let's let's let me. I think we've that. got like thirty minutes left for you to gush. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is like what I was put on this earth to do. Besides write books, is just like gush about books. I swear. Um, I, it's like a shame that I didn't discover Bookstagram and that community until after I became a writer Same. because I never got that experience of just being like a reader and a fan on Bookstagram. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's always your, cause your relationship to the community is always going to be shaped by the fact that you're a writer and you know, you're implicitly always, um, have like ulterior motives yes. when you're you know or i worry about that I'm like well we have uh, products like we exactly like we're we sell products really at the end of the day at the end of the day um yeah so that's something i just think about constantly but okay so the thing that i one of the things i've been dying to ask you is just about your experience with every yeah. summer after like hitting the new york times bestseller list and just like essentially being a runaway train of amazing <laughs> success because from my perspective watching um and you can tell me if this is incorrect and not how the story actually unfolded um the, but this is from like the outside perspective it was like i saw a few people start to post about every summer after um in the weeks leading up to its publication they were raves and just loved it so much and then i started seeing it more and more and then at one point i swear to you every post on my bookstagram feed were was like all these people whose opinions i trusted just being like you need to read this book it's incredible and i was like well sign me up you're like not this effing book again <laughs> no it was it was like i am very susceptible to being influenced i'm like the perfect you know candidate for bookstagram because i'm just like oh my god yeah i do this will change my life you know i'm gonna read this um so i read it and i was like i read it in one sitting on this very couch that i'm sitting on talking to you so full circle moment um and i read it and i was just like this is everything because i'm a second chance romance girly like in my heart um and it's just giving me everything i wanted and then i saw and then you like hit the list and Sometimes when, you know, I'm having rather cynical conversations with other writers um, about success and how so much of um, author success is like manufactured and set up by publishers um, and you can like tell which books will hit the list yeah. based on everything that, you know, you see coming months ahead, I'm always like, but Carly Fortune and Every Summer After was like organic word of mouth. Just hit the list because people genuinely loved this book so much. Okay, so that's yeah. just, that's from my perspective how it happened. Yeah, that like, is what it 
felt like, honestly. Yeah. And you're not the first author who has um, talked to me about that. Like, oh, but like Carly Fortune didn't have, like, I think one of the obvious things we see as authors in terms of if you make it to the New York Times bestseller list, if your book gets picked for a big book club, like yep. that um, hopefully is one of the like ways that your book could get onto the New York Times bestseller list for at least a yep. week. You get all your pre-sales and this bump in sales from being um, part of a big book club pick. And yep. so my book was not a book club pick um, or a book of the month. Book of the um, month. And so I have you know, an, another author has said to me, Carly's book wasn't a book club pick and it's still, it's still oh, a yeah. New York Times bestseller. All of us are looking at you like, there's hope, There's you hope. know? <laughs> um, it did feel, um, you know, my, my publishing team um, had high expectations. Yeah. I, like, I felt like they had high expectations um, and they were really hopeful, but I don't, think they might say that I'm wrong I don't think they would have expected this I don't think anybody expected this book to blow up the way that it did um and it was weird watching it happen from my um vantage point it it was kind of like what you said like you know when the book came out that week was really exciting and it got like it got onto the long list of the USA Today um, you know, there's like many, many books on that that's list. That's so big. And that's big. And that that's was really big. exciting. And I got onto the Globe and Mail list here. And people were like, oh, have you heard of this book? Yes, like this book is next on my list. And the way that conversation just changed and shifted over a matter of weeks was wild to watch. Like I, I can see it on my, I still had my Instagram notifications turned on at that point. Yeah. So I was, oh God, I cannot imagine. <laughs> And it's such a rookie mistake, and uh, and it was like, yes, this uh, can't read to re- can't wait to read this book. This book is next on my list. Oh my god, this book is so great! You have to read this book. This book is the book of the summer. And then it was, <laughs> is this book worth the hype? And then it was, and was <laughs> yeah, oh, the whole life cycle. Shit, I I got so freaked out. Um, I put, did like, your I, phone light on fire with the number of notifications that you were yeah, receiving? Yeah, my best friend was, was like, like hot to the touch. Like, you gotta tur- turn that off. Like, turn <laughs> off your notifications. I was like, yes, I gotta do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, at one point, I remember I was trying to like walk it back. Like I, my dad, um, who was not a reader, he read every summer after. Is the first he said is the first book he's read since 1976. Um, <laughs> oh my god! I love and he that. he texted me not bad for a book <laughs> so, so um I feel like it's I made, going on the cover dad that I made a little quote card like yeah. I made a little quote card this was like he read it after it came out and I and this is when like things were going this was when all the like is this worth the hype posts were coming out yeah and I, so I put out this like quote card that was like not bad for a book Carly's dad because I just wanted to be like guys please lower your expectations yeah <laughs> chill is, people like I I, it was very, uh, it was so surreal and it just, and wonderful. Like the way people, um, talked, like really tried to convince other people to read the book. That was really special. I loved seeing it. Like I, (laughs) just because like, and a lot of times it was bookstagrammers who I like love very much before. And they were like, okay, I had people sliding into my DMs. Being like, you need to read this book by Carly Fortune. We know that you will like it. And oh these goodness. people have 
clearly have like a really great grasp of my taste. Um, <laughs> they were in fact correct. Isn't it funny though, how fast it goes from best book ever, is this worth the hype? <laughs> like, and then yes. all the unpopular opinion here. And you're like, why are you, t why are you like tagging me in this? I did not need to know this. Um, um, yeah, no, it is, it's, it's mind bending for sure. <laughs> and now we're in the season of, um, you know, like do the second books live up to the first? Which yeah. is always fun too. Well, okay. Like how, do, how has your experience been with that? Be like, because you, um, I, I'm sure this has been said already in your introduction, but like you have two thriller books. Yeah. You have your second romance is coming out in mere weeks. And then you have a third thriller coming out later this year. Is that right? Yes, that is. Yeah. So how did you find with the release of your second thriller, like, how did you deal with that comparison? Like, you've done this before. Tell me your ways. Yeah. So my solution to knowing that that was inevitably going to happen was just to write a wildly different book, every single book, mm. um, so that people <laughs> couldn't be like, well, it's like dreams, but not as good or mm. whatever. And it's And that actually has, for better or worse, at least that part has borne out to be true because I wrote dreams, then I wrote my first romance. Yeah. And so no one could compare those two. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote House, The Last Housewife and it was so dark and so different from dreams that that's literally the introduction to most bookstagram posts that I saw was like, well, this is nothing like her first book. Mm. And I was like, yeah, just steal yourself for more of that. So I basically mm. just tried to make it impossible for people to compare. <laughs> um, no, I make that sound so intentional, but really it's just my like brain hopping to different um, books and genres as it is wont to do. Um, but yeah, no, and like it's a, it's a hard thing to grapple with, especially even when people are, well, this maybe transitions us into like a question about um, writing post debut or like writing when your brain has been incepted shaped tainted whatever um blessed whatever word you want to use by the voices of others yeah um especially i think you know your book was so popular on bookstagram and book talk um some of my books have seen like long lives there um mm -hmm. with people posting about it like so there's a there's a really loud voice like reader voice mm -hmm. um for me that i actually have to wrestle with a lot when i'm yeah. writing yeah um how how is that for you is that the same um with meet me at the lake i wrestled with it a lot it was not because of a reader voice in my head i had the first two drafts done um, by mm. the time Every Summer After came out, um, wow. which was upon the advice of my both my agent and my editor that it would be a very good idea to have um, the second book kind of well in hand before yeah. um, the first book was published for that very for that very reason. And I am so glad that that was the case because I found. Uh, I, I really struggled with imposter syndrome and self-doubt with writing Meet Me at the Lake and it, and had every summer after 
come out um, and done what it, it had <laughs> what it did yeah. um, while I was still drafting, like working on the first draft. I don't it would have just been I think it would have been so much harder. And I really I battled every single day of my first draft um, with my own self criticism. It felt like I wrote every summer after in four months and hmm. um, I did the so edits. Fast. It was yeah, really fast. Yeah. Um, it's that's fast for me too, yeah. especially because um, it didn't undergo very much editing. Like it, we, there was editing, um, but it took place over two weeks and um, we wanted to get the book out fast. We, I was giving birth <laughs> also. Um, and so we wanted to get it into copy editing before I gave birth and um, it, so it, like everything about that book felt like easy and magical. And then when I sat down to write Mimi at the Lake, I was like, how did I even do that? And can I do that again? Or was that just some kind of special magic that will never be replicated? And I really, I would spend hours like talking shit to myself. Um, oh my god I, I want to hug you through the screen but also I relate so hard to this oh yeah. yeah every day it was like hours of it um and I was I like was postpartum when I started writing um like a couple months postpartum and I'm mm -hmm. never I'm deal with a lot of postpartum mental health issues so it's not like a great time for me to be like yeah. embarking on a very intimidating project and just the idea of like letting my editor and my agent down was really and the t and the publishing team that was enough to like really affect me like, so did you I'm feel really, paralyzed I was like I would just push through it every day like mm. it was like okay I've got a couple hours to like beat myself up and then I'm just gonna keep going and I would I would write every every day and um, I submitted my first draft and then I got a really big editing note, a big editing letter back, which was so different from different, what happened from... with Every Summer After. And I was like, oh, I did a bad job. Like, I did yeah. a really bad job. And uh, that felt like the definitive material evidence that yes, like yeah. all that stuff you told yourself was yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I ended up, um, I felt like I had to throw up for two days wow. when I got the, when I got the letter and I've been an editor. Like I, yeah, you've been I'm, on the other side of this. I am. I know what editing is about. I respect editing tremendously. So it's not like I'm someone who's foreign to yeah. editing or <laughs> editing too precious process. to be edited. Yeah. That's not, that's not me no. at all. Um, but you know, there was this, little there was all these brilliant notes and then there, there's this little line that was basically like what if because it's dual timeline what if in the past timeline the characters are a different age and it's in a different setting i was like oh so i'm gonna rewrite half the book <laughs> and then change the rest of the book based on that and and like after i i like took in that suggestion i was like i have to do it like that that is the only logical that is makes such perfect sense for this book. It felt right. It was, eventually. It was so right. I was yeah. so mad. <laughs> yeah. Don't like, you hate it when they're right? I just like I'm like I just want to I just want someone to tell me I did it perfectly. Yeah. I want my gold star and I want to get out of here. Like, oh <laughs> so that was really hard. But what happened was doing that rewrite so that I spent you know uh, 
so many months um, on the first draft, eight months maybe. Um, and then I did the rewrite in two months. Um, and it was the most fun I had working on the book. I was like, okay, I'm just going to The rewrite do part? The rewrite. Oh my God. I was like, okay, I'm going to press delete on these 50,000 words. And I spent a weekend kind of like figuring out what the like p new past timeline was going to look like. I got really excited about it. I was like, here we go. <laughs> that I'm like, there's literally like sweat dripping down my back thinking about <laughs> deleting 50,000 words. I like. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it was hard. I, I, I shed a tear. Oh. Yeah, uh, you live to tell the tale, though. So yes, and now I feel um, now I have lots of readers. Like for when I have been writing my third book, and there are lots of outside opinions. But I'm, but having gone through that process with the second book of it being, of like just like pushing through so much, I'm like I yeah. will, I, I can do it. Like this is about me and this book, and. People are going to have their opinions. I know that very well now, which I, yeah. I had no idea. Like I really got, really did not, could not have anticipated what that would feel like or to the kind of degree yeah. to which there would be opinions. But Such now, strong opinions. Then now I'm like, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's me in this book. And I really trust my editors and um, I want to do something that, brings me pleasure and that I'm really proud of and it, I'm just I feel the third book has been so much sweeter and kinder to me in this in this way okay. and, yeah uh and who knows maybe the fourth book will be heinous but it'll come I, back you'll be in like an every other book cycle yes um. but when you when you say that you have like reader voices in your head what are your reader voices saying um, they're always the sweetest reader voices are the oh, ones that haunt me the most. Um, really? Because, yes, because like I am also very self-critical. I feel like we are a lot of alike. <laughs> like I also want that gold star. Yeah. Um, but I'm also the person who would be least likely to give myself a gold star. Yes. Um, and, um, and so when people have like negative opinions about my book, I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's correct. That is like a correct yeah. log, you know, like accurate assessment of my work. <laughs> and when people say very kind, wonderful things about it, I'm like, something is wrong. You, I have tricked you into thinking mm, this. Mm -hmm. And so now I need to keep tricking you. Like right. you said, like I need to keep performing this magic trick. Yes. Yeah making you think that my work is good and I'm like smarter and more clever than I actually am. Um, and so when I'm writing or like coming up with plots or whatever, um, I'm thinking like, you cannot disappoint so-and-so like insert wildly supportive friend and fan like you, they're, they're expecting so much from you. Um, and it's just that, that kind of gets in my head. Um, to the point where sometimes I'll have to like read other books and say to myself, like, look, this person did a very straightforward thing. Like <laughs> they told a very straightforward story. Right. Everyone loves it. Like you could do the same thing. Like maybe, maybe lower some of your expectations for yourself. Yeah. Um, because that is what always keeps me from putting words on the page is that um, expectation that those words have to be just so good and so yeah. smart from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and it's wild. Like you said, I'm on 
book, I, oh God, the one I'm drafting is now six, seven. Um, and every single time, it's the exact same experience. Oh, so it hasn't, it hasn't evolved from... I hope you are a more, like, <laughs> like person with, like, growth and, and, like, evolution capabilities than I am. But for me, it has not. Um, wow. It is, like, the exact same every time. I think most... And that all has to do with me and, like, my expectations that every book I write is going to be better than the one that I wrote before. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's just something that I you know, in my masochism, I guess, coming out, you know. No, I think um, that makes it makes so much sense. Uh, but so okay, so how does that affect your writing? Like, are you editing as you write then? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. In fact, my writing process every day is edit the chapter before. I try to do a chapter a day. Yeah. Um, and I'll edit the chapter before, and then yeah. that'll like put make me excited to then yeah. launch into drafting the next. Wow! So we write very differently. Really? How do you yeah. write? Do you like not let yourself look at what you wrote before? I'm not that extreme, okay. but I don't I don't go back and edit, um, and I try not to spend too much time on my even like at a sentence level. I try not to worry about it, um, and I tell myself. I tried to do it with Meet Me at the Lake. It was harder. I'm like, this is going to be bad. Um, but in the back of my head, I was like, but it needs to be perfect. Like, yes. I, but uh, so that I like st didn't really nail it with every summer after. I was like, you're just going to keep writing it. You'll fix it later. You are an editor. You can improve something later. And then with the book I'm working on now, I was able to better do that. I'm like, this is going to be a hot mess. <laughs> That is what your goal is. Your goal is to have a hot mess that, and I was writing everything like, just like so, just so sloppy. And then when I went back and looked at it, I was like, you know, it's not that bad. God, you're it. so healthy. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I love it. <laughs> but that, but it's, it's just what kind of works for me. Otherwise, I think I wouldn't be able to keep going. Like I wouldn't yeah. be able to push forward. Um, can I ask what you're working on next? Whatever you can reveal. And I mean, there's like, I'm so torn because I want to talk about Mimi at the Lake uh, a bunch more too, but I just have to have like a little nugget of what you're working on next. Well, it's, um, it's a, it's a romance. I can't, I'm, I'm not, I can't really share much about it. I'm okay. really excited about it. It is the, I think it's the most fun I've had writing, um, so far and it's, um, it's got a strong friendship storyline. Um, yeah. Like Meet Me at the Lake, I think has like a strong mother-daughter storyline. Yeah. This one is really about um, best friends as well. I love that. What are you that working on? What is, what's book six or seven? So I am dipping my toe into a new genre. Um, oh my so... goodness, we didn't even get to talk about your genre promiscuity. <laughs> I know, we need more time. Um, let's do this again. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so this will be a whole new genre is book six and I haven't, I can't talk too much about that yet because we haven't like publicly announced anything. Um, but then I'm also very deep in plotting my next thriller mm -hmm. and this is going to be my most complicated thriller yet. Great. I'm like, you know, how can I raise the bar on myself? <laughs> and yeah, just like make everything harder. Yes. Um, and um, 
I am like, instead of one murder mystery to solve, what if there's three? Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, yep. Um, <laughs> that's where I'm at. It's every very on brand for me. How um, do you feel like you're, I, like when you are writing in different genres, I still yeah. feel like there is something like a core that is like the Ashley Winstead core with your with the books like how do you def like how do you personally like tie them all together like what do you think unites them yeah I think um this this feels like when I whenever I talk to editors on calls yeah um they're like they ask me that question and, and you're like uh, oh I hate that question no it used to so it used to stump me because mm. I would say something like I honestly don't know um, and maybe it's just my writing style or something, but yeah. I have figured it out. And it's essentially that at, at the core of each book across genres is a very flawed, complicated woman who um, is in need of learning something about herself and her place in the universe mm. that is going to change her life and bring her to an experience of catharsis. And whether that involves like chopping a guy's head off or <laughs> falling in love, you know, yes. with her soulmate, like that is my characters are always, you know, very deeply flawed women who are going to experience um, like feeling at peace in the universe for the first time. Oh, um, I like that. That's good. <laughs> So thank you. And I, I, <laughs> but I it took so long to get there. So I'm like soaking up this affirmation. We're coming to occlusion soon. Yeah. But I wanted to, you got to gush about Meet Me at the Lake. And I wanted to gush about The Boyfriend Candidate because I, oh I did truly love it so much. And I know everybody is going to love it. And I think, um, like I have stopped, I used to, when I, I didn't read a lot of my 20s and 30s. And then I started reading YA and, and romance. And like a typical romance reader, I read a ton of romance. Yeah. But I don't do that anymore because um, it, I don't read as much. And uh, it feels more like work because yeah. I write in, in the genre. And so I don't, if I'm picking what I read, I, I tend not to read romance. Like there are some authors I always so come back to. And I love it. I love romance so much. But lately, I've, I haven't been reading it as much. And um, when I, I picked up your book to read it, we have been going, our, our family has been going through a really tough, tough time, um, which I won't talk too much about. But it's been a really difficult time. And your book, it was such a good reminder about why excellent rom-coms are so important in terms of like, making you feel like you're on this safe journey with real people um it, like your heart feels so warm and full your book is funny and smart and you know you're just like going to get to an end where you are like oh everything is like these people these people deserve to be together and they've gone on this journey they've gotten over themselves so they can get together and everything feels like right and safe when i'm in this world with this couple and you do such a great job of it with this book and I just like like on a personal note want to thank you for that because I really needed it and it was just also a good reminder for me as a reader as to why I love these books oh my god I think this is the kindest thing that anyone has ever said to me I'm so excited that it was recorded so I can listen <laughs> to it again no thank you so much I'm so sorry that your family is going through a tough thank time thank you Thanks. Um, 
And that, that just like, I really will, like that just lives in my heart now. Thank you. And I feel the exact same way about your books. They're just like places where I can escape. Um, Thank you. And like absolutely gorgeous. And I had so many things I wanted to say and talk to you about your books, but I know our time is up. Um, Ashley, this has been so much fun. Yes. It's such a delight talking to you. I wish Same. we were actually having drinks. Me too. I'm Okay, I'm going to make it happen okay. one day. We're going right. to get drinks and just continue this conversation. Yeah. You are amazing and I could talk Ditto. to you forever. Ditto. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening. Please visit alwaysauthors.com to learn about our other episodes. Always Authors is an exclusive production of Atomic Focus Entertainment.